Shalom, I am Alan. And I am Leontine. Alan and I are professional tour guides, friends, and immigrants to Israel. In this podcast, we talk about everything Israel and our life here. I moved to Israel, fulfilling a lifelong dream after 30 years as a trial lawyer in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have a lot to say about my homeland. And I was born in Holland, then lived and worked as a licensed tour guide in France and ended my journey living and working in Israel. Yalla, let's go! How are you? I'm great, Leontine. Shavua Tov. A good week to you. So, here we go again. Yeah. Episode 41. Exactly. Um, 41. How was your week, Ellen? My week was, was good. Yeah. Uh, a great week. I actually, you know how we're always complaining. You are. No, I don't complain. You're the more cynic. I, I'm, I'm more optimistic yes. than you are, but... Yes. But I'm not, I'm not, we, you and I both <laughs> always complain. In fact, we've done so on this podcast about finding food uh, in restaurants and places to eat when we're down along the Dead Sea. Yeah. Uh, going to Masada, coming back from Masada, Qumran, Jericho, although Jericho has some good restaurants inside of Jericho. But uh, there's very few food opportunities. Don't True. we complain about that? We do. So, okay. So, it's not just me. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I have found I found a diamond in the rough. I have Ooh. found a new place uh, that's going to kind of be my go-to. Um, and I don't know if you went there with me or not. Uh, Shmuel and I actually discovered it and, and we're, went there um, during COVID. Uh, it's a little cafe on Road 90. Road 90 is the road going from the north to the south uh, along the Jordan Valley. And a little bit north of Kazo Yehud, which is the crossing of the Jews in the Jordan River, opposite uh, the area of Jericho, is a little kibbutz. Actually, I think it's a moshav. It's not a kibbutz. It's a small village, a Jewish village called uh, Naama. You might notice it when you're driving by because it has a sign that says Spice Farm. Yes. Now, I found, we found the restaurant because we we're looking for the Spice Farm. We didn't find the Spice Farm. But we found this cafe uh, that's called Guy Lee, Guy Lee, and it's very good food. It's it's a dairy restaurant with pizzas and pastas and fish, and and I think it, exceptional cafe uh, food. I recommend it highly. Uh, and when you're there, there's a picture on the wall of Guy uh, who was killed in one of the the the, the wars. And his dream was to have a cafe. And uh, after he was um, killed. His girlfriend, I think maybe his mother, opened this cafe. Mm. So it's a wonderful place to stop. It's not far from um, the area of uh, Engedi and, and Qumran and Masada. So I recommend it. There's, okay. a, there's a, a tip for you uh, for, your, yeah. for your tours. It's a very good, good tip. I wonder if we, we went there maybe one morning and they just opened and Shlomo was there as well. Uh, yes, one? yes, okay. yes. We got yes. the coffee and they were just opening. Yeah. Um, so that's the place. Ah. That's the place. But they have a full menu. Um, 
I suggest, though, if you have uh, a group of larger than two, three, four people, yeah. that you call ahead, and I, I'll share the number with you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So how was your week? So uh, my week um, was great because I saw tulips everywhere in Jerusalem. For a Dutch person, that's yes. probably a very Tulip, nice treat. Right. Tulips are my favorite flowers, eh, of course. Uh, tulip is the national flower of Holland, and... Uh, in fact, um, I, I always love seeing the tulips uh, pr planted here in all the parks because I know, as a matter of fact, and you know it as well, that it is uh, Dutch uh, tulip farmers um, that offer every year thousands and thousands and thousands of tulip bulbs to the city of Jerusalem. So this is done through the organization Christians uh, for Israel, and they offer, uh, I don't know how many thousands, but like tens of thousands of tulip bulbs every year. And then they, there is a garden uh, planted next to the windmill, of course, windmill is also very Dutch, uh, the Montefiore windmill. There is a park that is named after the Queen of Holland, and uh, there is always tulips in there and then uh, you have now tulips uh, all along the roads and so on so my I, i'm very happy every time i walk or drive through jerusalem i see the tulips i'm happy yeah so it's very special uh, you know i think yeah. i think uh the dutch have been sending uh, tulip bulbs to israel since the creation of the state of israel i mm -hmm. don't think this is this yeah. isn't a new new thing is it no 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 it's no. been they've been doing it for many many years uh, i saw yeah. some uh new ones <coughs> that, that sprung up mm -hmm. last spring on the uh, Rakevet, the train tracks in Jerusalem. You know, ah. when you're going, uh, yes. they have the kiosk where they sell the juice. Yes. Right opposite the juice stand ah, yes. is a whole new tulip uh, garden. Yes, yes, I so saw So I think it. of you every time I, I, I pass by ah. there and see the tulips. Ah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, so, uh, so tulip, tulip week, happy week. So the subject today, uh, guys, is the Druze in Israel. The Druze, Druze. Not, not, the Druze. The, not the Jews. No. Druze, D-R-U-Z-E, not Ex Jews, J-E-W-S. Exactly. Jews, Druze, it's almost the same. Druze, in uh, Druzim, they say here. Um, so the Druzim, uh, the Druze people in Israel, it's a small uh, minority of uh, on the whole population. It's a little less than ten than two percent of the whole population, about 140, 150,000 people. And we are going to talk about them to uh, find out who they are, um, and what they do, what they don't do. So that's the the topic of uh, the week. So the Druze. Um, uh, originate from uh, uh, a thing that happened in the uh, 11th uh, century. There was um, a sultan called Al-Hakim, who is very famous because, uh, not in a positive way, because he one of the things he did while he was a sultan, he destroyed the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. He, uh, he did many other things that were not... Uh, very nice, but um, that's Al-Hakim. And he had this habit of uh, every evening after dinner, he went for a stroll outside on his horse. Um, and one night, he didn't come back. Now, we can, I can imagine what happened, eh, as he was not a very nice guy to everybody. My guess is that he uh, somebody murdered him, but um, there are were some people that he believed that he he went missing, that he disappeared, but he, he actually removed himself uh, from life. And the people that believe that those are the first Druzim. So that's how it all started. So 
the Druzim, uh, and you that's... Know, you know, I just, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but it's kind of ironic because the Druze people, the Druzim, yeah. are very peace-loving uh, uh, people yeah. for their prophet uh, to be such a brutal uh, man. Um, so I think in Israel, it's kind of, it's kind of, we don't talk about uh, Al-Hakim with the Druze because that's their, that's their prophet. So it's very... Um, uh, as we like to say, hafuch, it's upside down, or misubach, mm-hmm. it's complicated. Complicated, yes. But that's uh, that's an yeah. interesting... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, it's true. It's true. It's interesting, but uh, uh, for sure, I'm not going to say... Uh, to, but, uh, anyway, it happened two th- uh, 1,000 years ago, so I'm not <laughs> we're not going to... No, know. but you're not going to say to uh, Druze in the village when they're feeding you a nice meal uh, that, oh, yeah, your your prophet, Al-Hakim, wasn't he the guy that destroyed the... <laughs> The, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? Uh, I, I would be uh, capable of asking that in a nicer way because... Uh, yeah, you're you know, Dutch. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I actually, when I'm with the Druze, they're so nice. It doesn't really... I don't want to talk about things that happened uh, 1,000 years ago, and I, it's true, I don't... Th- but this is the beginning of the Druzim. Now, there, there are altogether in the world about one million Druzim, so only a small uh, part of them lives in Israel. The others live in uh, Jordan... Syria and Lebanon, they were all uh, living in the same region. Uh, they were in the Ottoman Empire, but then when uh, the Ottoman Empire was split up in uh, different countries, that's how they also got split up, and then they uh, ended up living in uh, in Israel after the different wars that we had in we had in 1948 and 1967. So um, uh, first of all, the Druze that's um, uh, lived uh, live now in Israel. They live in three different regions. So they live in the north. So some live around the Carmel, so around Haifa, the city Haifa or Haifa. Um, there are some uh, Druze living in the Galilee region, northern Galilee, and then uh, other Druze people that live in uh, the on the Golan Heights. Um, so uh, according to what region you go to, it's it's quite uh, the, the what you f- the feeling is quite different. Huh? And of course, those that live in the area of Haifa and the Galilee, they have been part of Israel already since 1948. Whereas those that live on the Golan Heights, they became part of Israel later. So it's also a little bit uh, different uh, feeling that you get there when you are there. But it's they're all really nice, and it's really nice to go to the different villages. Now. What do these people believe in? So, uh, first of all, it's a secret uh, religion. So, they it's not a religion where they try to convert others to their religion. So, they marry within the communities. Um, you do get some mixed marriages, if you can say so. So, a Druze from Israel might marry a Druze from Syria, a Druze woman or a Druze man, eh, depending. Um, but otherwise, they do marry within their own religion. So there's very, very little intermarriage with other religions. And they don't... Um, what is the name? There's no proselytism. Proselytizing. Yeah, proselytizing. They go, uh, they're, yes. not, they're not encouraging. No. And they, in fact, don't allow no. a conversion. They don't allow conversion. Church. Exactly. So marry within the community and uh, no, not trying to convert others to uh, to Druze uh, religion, which makes it a little bit mysterious, of course. they they We do know that w- they believe in God. Um, they have several prophets, like Al-Hakim, Yetro, Yitro, that we talked about. The eh? father-in-law uh, yeah, of Moses. Exactly, a few, a few episodes earlier we talked about Yetro because you went to his tomb. 
Moses, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist, which uh, I didn't know, but I learned it while I studied the subject for this podcast. Mohammed. So you, you study ahead of these t- these uh, podcasts? Always. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, they are their prophets or mentors more. So it's it's a bit different. They, oh, they do also believe in the Old and the New Tes- Testament and the Quran and Greek philosophy. And then they have their own kind of Bible, I would say, but that is uh, remains uh, very secret. Um, and they believe in reincarnation. Now, what is what I found fascinating is that uh, they believe that their souls are uh, reincarnated. If um, a soul uh, uh, doesn't know where to go, you could say it goes to China. Did you know that? Yep. Nope. Right. Here so for the first time. Yes. Yeah, so if there is trouble with the incarnation, then the soul goes to China. Um, Al Hakim, who went missing, they say he went into occultation. Occultation. He removed himself from human sight. Okay. And uh, they say that when the end of time comes, the apoc- apocalypse, um, Al Hakim and the others will re-emerge out of China. Kind of like a, a hidden prophet. Yeah. Uh, concealed. He yeah. didn't die. He didn't go to heaven. He's he's waiting. He's waiting somewhere in China and uh, like with other the with other the souls that went to China, they were all <laughs> no, uh, so that's I find that very very interesting. Now, one specific thing with the Druze is that um uh, after 1948 when um the the state of Israel was born and the Druze ended up living in Israel, there was an agreement made with the Druze community because the Druze decided not to fight uh, the Israel. In the beginning, I think they fought Israel, but very quickly they thought, hmm, maybe not such a good idea. So they went to the Israeli leaders and said, listen, we're going to stay in our villages where we won't resist. And so there was an agreement um, where the men are drafted in the army. Yeah. Uh, yes, but and the women can be drafted if they want, but there's no obligation. So they are, uh, and they're very popular in the army because the Druze are extremely brave. Uh, so they fight usually in the in the uh, combat units yeah. and on the yeah. front lines. Exactly. So they're very uh, admired and uh, uh, how can I say esteemed? And uh, I know that Johanna uh, had um, that's your daughter. Druze. Johanna. My daughter yeah. Johanna had. A, I remember that she told me she had a Druze. Uh, in her uh, in her unit, and you know that he, that was a very like a well person the, who the was admired ag- by everybody. The agreement that was reached was actually demanded by the Druze community uh, because upon the establishment of the state of Israel, the creation of the army and the draft, you know, every eighteen-year-old uh, or high school graduate in Israel, male and female, gets drafted into the Israeli army. Except. We, we talked about this before. There's an exception for minorities. Some of the minorities, including the Arab minorities, of which the Druze are a part. And upon the creation of the state, the Druze went to the government and said, no, 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 no. You know, we're loyal Israelis, and we do not want to be an exception. Uh, we want to participate in the draft. And so they created a mechanism by which the Druze were a whole separate class from the other minorities that would be drafted into the army. So I find that very, uh, very admirable. Yes. And Druze, not just in Israel, the Druze in Lebanon and Syria and in Jordan are also very loyal uh, to the countries in, in which they live. That's part of their, their, uh, their, their culture. Exactly, exactly. So I would say that our friendship, Alan, started really 
uh, in a Druze village uh, eating uh, eating knafe. <laughs> wow, I did not. Re- I didn't even think about that until this moment. I now picture up yes. like near Picky Picking. Yeah, like way up in the Galilee. Yeah. Oh, uh, was it not? Um, no, no, no. It was way up in the galley. Was it Pe- Peking? Was it? Uh, well, anyway, it, it, it was. It, I don't know if it was in Peking. It was somewhere very high. Somewhere up yeah. there, we yeah. just stumbled. We were starving. Yes, uh, and tired. And, and you really wanted something sweet. Yes, and we bought this canafe. Oh my! Yes, and oh. you paid for it because I had no money. <laughs> I remember. It, it, yeah, and this I paid is how for it. you paid for it, and then I said, "Okay, this is a good friend." <laughs> so I, I have. I, it was in, in, uh, it was wonderful kanafe, and I have not had kanafe as delicious at, as that kanafe yeah, since. Yeah, but it's because of the good company, of course. But anyway, that's that's how our friendship sh- started. I would say we were so tired. We were on a field trip that lasted for five days, I think, and this was one of the last days. And you know, you just needed something sweet, and we were given some free time, which was very very rare. So we went into this pastry shop. I didn't have any money on me, and uh, Alan uh, paid for the cafe, and that's how it all started. The rest is history. And so here we are now doing a podcast. Yeah, and talking about food because that's the <laughs> other thing: the food in the Druze villages is amazing, right? Oh, it's it's great. So, you know, when you go into the most common villages that we drive through when we're guiding, is uh, is Daliat El Carmel, which yeah. is the largest Druze uh, city village in Israel. It's very yeah. long. Yeah, when you drive very through it, long. there's no end to it. Uh, yeah. And it's in, yeah. the, it's in the Carmel. Yeah. Um, not far from uh, the Horn of the Carmel, which is the Muhraka. So it's, uh, if you go up to the Muhraka, to the Horn, to talk about the story of uh, Elijah defeating the, the pagan Baal prophets, you, you go through, or you can go on your way to Haifa, uh, through the uh, Druze villages, um, and, and they are very hospitable. You, can, you could stop on the side of the road ask for directions, and they're going to ask you to come and eat at their house. I mean, they're that hospitable. Um, and something else that you see when you drive through the villages, which is not- notable, is you, you, you mentioned the, the secrecy of the religion, that it's mm-hmm. a secret. Mm-hmm. Now, how secret is it? It's so secret that most Druze don't even know the secret. They're not, they're not aware or familiar with their, their special book. Only the enlightened ones those that choose to study um, know the secret. Yeah. And they're identified by their white headdress. So the yeah. men wear like a white, which looks like the Jewish kippah or yarmulke. Yeah. It's very big. Yeah. And the yeah. women uh, wear uh, a, a white scarf. Yeah. Because men and women, there's egality yeah, for men yeah, and women. Yeah, it's equality. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and what uh, what else do the men have? Because they are there's they have some two two other things. Uh, y- I hope men. you can explain why. But they have uh, droopy drawers. Okay, they have yes. their pants with the uh, uh, in between their legs. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's it's drooping. Do you know why they why no, they dress? No, I that don't way? know why. Why? What's the other thing? So the, the mustache. They have a, the uh, men have a, a mustache, big, big, uh, big mustache, Raleigh yes. fingers mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so when you're also, let's see, what else do you see when you're driving through the community? Um, well, you see that they're very hospitable. You see the the scars. Now, if you if if you are an enlightened one with the white headdress, mm-hmm. you can't even tell the secret to your to your spouse, to your husband or your wife if right. they're not enlightened. Exactly, and you know already. Uh, they know already who is enlightened, who is in, in who is uh, included in the secret when uh, they're young. Because you see some young boys, they don't have a mustache yet, but they have the same trousers and the same white uh, cap on their head. So it, it's 
they're they're very uh, nice people. I would say another thing is that their villages are uh, rather clean compared to uh, some other villages in that area. So you can see also the difference when you're in a Druze village. Um, the houses are different uh, style. You know, in the Arabic uh, villages, for instance, there are big, big houses where the whole family, so each time there's a son that marries the, 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 the couple, will move in the same house. So, you know, it's so the house becomes very, very big because you have like several families living there. The Druze have big houses, but a little less big because they just, you know, uh, live independently. Very clean. And you don't see, and what you don't see mm-hmm. are minarets. You don't see mosques no. because the Druze are not Muslim. They, they have a, they're exactly. Arab, but they have their own separate religion because they were one of the earliest uh, breakaways from Islam. Yeah. So they don't have uh, churches or synagogues or mosques. No. Uh, they have like community community centers. house exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the Daliat Al Carmel we mentioned, and you have um, in the north, you have Julis, Julis where you have you can actually visit a, like a museum with the history uh it's called heritage center actually but the history of the the local druze and there are several tombs of different prophets and of course Pekin which uh, we just talked about maybe we had the kanafe there maybe not it was I too long ago yeah, to Yeah I don't think it was uh, Pekin but it doesn't matter there you actually the special specialty druze specialty there is soap they sell very there's gamila which is like jamila a very arab name uh, who makes a uh, Druze woman who makes uh, soap that is very, very famous. And in Pekin lives one Jewish woman. Yeah, That's the, it. The, the synagogue of Pekin yeah. with the one, there used <laughs> to be one and a half. I, I think uh, somebody died. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the woman all by herself. So those are the. Um, the Druze, so so yeah, if you come you, to you Israel, you also yeah? see their flag. They have ah yes, it looks like it's the usually gay, standing uh, beside the the Israeli flag because they're very yeah. loyal to Israel. But they also have their own flag. True. And of course, yes, it looks like the y- when you see the it, rainbow. you're going to think that yeah. they're they're flying the the gay pride flag because yes. it's a rainbow yeah. uh, flag. But it's the the flag of the Druze people. Yeah, and I I, I ask. Uh, maybe one or two years ago to a Druze, what does the flag stand for? And he had no idea. (laughs) Now the other, you were talking about the Galilee and Uh the Carmel Ridge, but you also have, you mentioned the Druze living in the Golan, which is a whole different uh, ball of wax, a whole different story because the Druze in the Golan Heights were Syrian uh, because the Golan Heights was Syria before the Six-Day War in 1967. And after 67, Israel controlled the Golan Heights and then annexed it in the 80s. And when they did, they offered the Druze living in the Golan Heights that were Syrian citizens, they offered them Israeli citizenship, most of which declined because they were afraid that uh, if the Golan Heights went back to Syria or if Syria conquered the Golan Heights, they would be seen as, uh, as traitors. Right. Um, so when you go into the Golan Heights, there are four major Druze villages. One is Ain Kenya, which is a beautiful village on the side of the of the the mountain that looks like Italy with beautiful uh, vineyards and and orchards, and you have uh, what's what's you have Burka Burkata mm-hmm. and uh, Masada yes and the one other one is Majdal Shams yes which is on the foot of the Hermon Mountain which is our only ski ski mountain in Israel. There's actually snow there now. Yeah, they had a lot of snow on the Hermon. So those are the four Druze villages. Most of those are Syri- uh, or Syrian citizens with a special permit, um, Israeli permit. More and more I hear since the Syrian civil war, yeah. uh, more Druze in the Golan Heights are, are starting to, 
Right, to, because uh, before the war, before the war, they would go to to Damascus to uh, study there, and then come back uh, and uh, because they got free uh, university in uh, in Damascus, but now they're they can't go there anymore. So yeah, more and more they are choosing to become Israeli and get the Israeli passport, which uh, can help in some ways. So uh, yeah, this is our our subject now. Ellen, we got a question from Gary from San Francisco who uh, says, Israel is a small country. How long does it take to drive the entire length of the country? Ah, that's a good question. That's a question I get asked all the time. But the width, I know, it's about 10 minutes. But <laughs> the length, 10 I minutes know. from it depends on where you are. The I know. width has a different... At the, at, the small, at the narrowest part. But go ahead. What ah, is but the, the length? length. Okay, the yes. length. Uh, going from the north, uh, from Matula, which is the extreme northern um, mm -hmm. tip of the country, the border with Lebanon, to go from Matula all the way through the, the length of the country to our furthest southern tip, which is Eilat, Eilat at the port of Eilat on the Red Sea, is, um, is uh, 500 kilometers, which I think is about 250 uh, miles. Is that right? You know kilometers, miles. I'm pretty sure that's, uh. that's correct. So if you drive, if you drive it, um, and there's no traffic. Everything here depends on traffic. Sometimes it can, uh, you can be delayed two or three hours with traffic, and sometimes if you're driving at four o'clock in the morning, uh, you won't have traffic. So if you go down the center of the country, you would use road six, and that would get you there in probably about six hours. So you could drive the link without traffic in six hours, or you can go another route, which is going along the longest road in Israel, which goes from Matula to Eilat, which is road number 90. 90, yeah. And if you drive that, it might take you a little longer because you're going through more hilly and, and uh, more challenging terrain and less um, super highway. And that could take you seven hours. Okay. So that's that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Which for an American, it's like crossing uh, one state, I guess. Uh, well, it depends Depending on which, which state. state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you, Ellen. So this was our podcast of the week. Speak to you next week. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yala Israel. Send your questions by email at yalaisraelpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at yalaisraelpodcast. This podcast was made possible with the help of Leia Kramer, our editor, Elliot Musses, our musician, and Shai Aloni, our cover art designer.